Howdy there, folks. Text of the Black Pants Legion here. Welcome to yet another BPL podcast today. I'm joined by the bard of the Legion, Mr. Goat. Say hello, Mr. Goat. Hola. I am also joined by the editor of Text Talks Battletech and our internal IT department, Mr. Mike. <laughs> hello. Before anyone asks, we are all roommates, cohabitate, and create together. And cough on each other. And cough on each other. And repeatedly. in each other's mouths. That's how we tell secrets. That's how we tell secrets. <laughs> yeah. So the topic of this podcast is the art of the homebrew, the magic of creativity, and the art of the DM. Whoa, whoa, do you want to talk about that? We, yeah. We just got the distillery thing going uh, on. Not that homebrew. Oh, 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 sorry, yeah. Oh, you're talking, about, you're talking about role-playing role yeah. video games. Yeah, I swear to God, if you call the revenue agents, I'm I'm going to run for the river and hope that the, the Tabasco st- in my socks throws the dogs off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I can I can only imagine. They're just going to show up and like, you don't have to run. <laughs> they're like this is a tax violation sir please come back <laughs> we're just literally gonna find you Aren't yeah you? I, I i would i would put on overalls if i made moonshine I, i'm just yeah. saying that's part of that moon like overalls straw hat shit stomping boots nothing underneath nothing underneath and nothing <laughs> even in the winter yeah you just kick your pot of beans over into the fire and run man like that's how that's to hear to hear some of my relatives say it, that's how music got into that one branch of the family. Uh, is they like all the musicians' tradition comes from people just playing music while they're waiting for the shine to distill. That's hey, that's that's you know, that's that's got to be a genre. Waiting music. Yeah. No, I don't mean like elevator music, but I mean like waiting for my shine music. Why yeah. do you think blue- shine blues? Why do you think bluegrass has this thing where every every instrument just does like a solo and it just drags on and on until they get bored or tired? Uh, I was thinking because they're bored and drunk. And, yeah. And well, yeah. Why do you think they're bored and drunk? Well, because it's Appalachian. There's nothing to do except, you know, mine coal and be fentanyl. Miserable. Yeah. I was oh. going to say well, fentanyl. This, this was back before the fentanyl before donuts. Days. Yeah. And okay. So the, the topic of this podcast is, as I said, the art of the homebrew, you know, that magic of creativity, the, the art of the DM. And I had a few topics I wanted to cover because we've, we've all done this. So, Every DM in the world should, at least in my opinion, uh, my humble opinion, be completely open and wanting to carve out their own world. And there are some DMs that will run only modules, only approved modules, literally railroad their players season after season, session after session. I was going to say there's nothing wrong with that until you said railroad. Well, and a lot of them do, and they don't know it. Yeah, if they, you run they, a if you run a module, perfectly fucking fine. Yeah, no, I have nothing against people who. Run Especially modules. since you're, if you're somebody who doesn't have a lot of fucking time to just sit well, yeah. there and make I shit. Mean, not, not all of us are like mad mercers. We, we we don't have time to like craft something yeah. for well, for weeks. And some and of weeks. those modules are fucking great. So. Yes, they yes, are. Sir. I mean, that's that's why they're yeah. so highly spoken of. Yeah. Like well, some, and, and, yeah. And even as far as a railroad goes, I mean, to a point, all games are because there's when you're setting up for a game of whatever you know D D shadowrun whatever system there is you're all coming under this agreement that you know there is a premise of this game you're right gonna do a right 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 like and you know 90 like take our shadowrun game like we're going in under the assumption you know there's going to be a job and you're going to take that job well right and there is that there is that magic place mm-hmm. between the dm getting everything they want and the player getting everything they yeah. want and if the game is completely off the rails no one likes it 
because mm-hmm. it's just random. Yeah. And then if the game is everything the DM is commanding them to do or compelling them to do, that's fun for the DM and no one else. Right. And, and, and so the magic places in the middle. And that's why some modules are really highly spoken of because mm-hmm. it can play out so many ways. Yeah. But what I'm talking about is just that I have to play the module as written. I have to do everything as written. And I think everyone gathered here is certainly against that notion. You know, you can't predict what the hell your players are going to do. Well, of course not. Nor should you force them. So this is about being open and wanting to carve out your own world. And I'm hoping people out there listening, if they're aspirational DMs or younger DMs or hell, just DMs tired of the same old, same old. This is going to be an inspiration or guide or even just ideas you can steal. And that's one of my main DMing rules is if you have an idea or you see a cool thing, steal steal it, it. steal it instantly. Yes. But We've all done it, from fixing clunky rules to removing skill bloat problems to figuring out how to transpose the system into new systems. So let's chat about this world of homebrewing. Um, one of the things, let, let's start with the last thing first. Okay. This this notion of transposing systems. Um, I started it, I did quite a bit of it, and then I called Goat in to help because I'm running my own custom game in Dark Heresy. I love Dark Heresy First Edition, words and all, because I think they got it more right than wrong. Goat's a second edition Dark Heresy guy, mm-hmm. but he loves his it for his reasons. Well, I and, cut my teeth on first edition. Well, I, I know, yeah. but I'm saying you prefer second mm-hmm. edition. I prefer first edition. Yeah. And that's fine because we wanted to work together. And so we made a 1.5 edition where we're taking the best bits and slapping them together. And we're fixing things that both editions did wrong because we're coming together and collaborate. So if if you have two generations of DM working together, like you have a guy who's a 3.0 guy and you have a guy who's a 4.0 guy, they can come together and build an edition of D&D. No yeah. problem. You find the things that each version did right. Like 4.0 was a great miniatures war game. Well, let's say you want to create a game, for instance, that is a miniatures war game in D and D, where you're running a war band, yeah, you can steal shit from 4E to do that. Mm-hmm. But for the stats and everything else, and the core mechanics of role play, you could put that in 3.0, and you could just kind of meld these things together if you wanted to. If you wanted to, or you could play Pathfinder Kingmaker. Yeah, you could do that. <laughs> um, but what I'm saying is, there's there's all these wonderful, fun options for you to do. So. In transposing systems, I'm a huge D100 guy. Goat loves D100. But you I like, like it dice too, yeah. More. Huh? I'm, I like dice pool more. Well, I know. You're a VTM guy. And a Shadowrun guy. I know, I know. But the the thing is, is it's everyone has what they like. So if you, it's it's kind of like goes back to the old GURPS idea where I jokingly said there's a GURPS book for everything mm-hmm. because there is, because GURPS was designed to be universal. But the problem is I find that there's a lot of systems in D20 or as Mike pointed out to D20. Ugh. Yeah. Look, okay. 2D20 is fine. If you have with certain systems, like I've heard and it's Modifius owns it. They own right. the rights to 2D20, which I think is part of the problem is it's not open source or open for debate on anyone else's end, but theirs. And that's where I have a problem with it. I'm not saying that they can't be improved or that there aren't systems that work with it because from what I've understood, there are, uh, I forget the name of the game. There's another 2D20 game that a lot of people speak very highly of. 
uh, and I forgot it before the podcast because that's just how my brain works. But that's um, fine. Star Trek Adventures has uh, a lot of glaring issues with 2D20 that I didn't personally like. And one of them is, is just that it feels like everything takes fucking forever to do. If you yeah. were to play it rules as written, everything takes yeah, fucking forever. Yeah, because it's oriented towards Trekkies. It's story-ended toward Trekkies. And I have to say, like, if any of you, if anybody here is a Trekkie and loves Star Trek, watch the actual shows. Now, I'm not talking, like, watch the plot of the shows. Watch what they're doing in the shows. Have you noticed this little thing called pacing? Yeah. You notice how yeah. they're done in, like, an hour? Yeah, it's 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 three acts. I'm not saying you can't have yeah. a four-hour game. That's fucking fine. But if it's a four-hour game where we're going through combat turns, I'm immediately done. I'm just, like, mentally... That, well, that's that was the issue I always had. Like, I love D20 for role-playing. Yes. I love D20 for role-playing. When you're actually role-playing and thinking of stuff mm-hmm. and doing simple stuff, when you get in a D&D fight and it's a bunch of people it's like a four-hour combat okay segue into how you handle that for homebrew of course please so i mean like you know besides grouping enemies together to, to simplify mass combat because i've i've done that i've made that mistake where you don't do that yeah um, so have i yeah where it's like hour six and you're like okay the third guy has died second round starts yeah or where you just drag on the combat until it's completely over you don't have to do that. You can just end the. You can just stop going through initiative trackers when it becomes pretty apparent who's going to win. Yeah, people can, break and run. Yeah, that too. Uh, or even if they don't, even if they're fighting like you know skeletons or something like that, you can just say, look, at some point it becomes apparent the skeletons are going to lose. At most, you can like have them do like one, the players do like one roll each to see how much, yeah. if any, damage they they sustain, how much you know ammunition or whatever resource they use up to wipe out these guys. Right. I want well, something we said about when we we're watching text play the HBS BattleTech, where it's like everybody in the like not the module like the mods, but the like main game. Yeah. Everybody in the main game just fights to the death. They're all diehards. They, like, yeah. They're they're pirates. Like, they're like I will kill you. You have no weapons. I will kill you. They have no weapons, and they're literally like, I will get in your face and fight. And it's like, everyone's doing that. However, and I know a lot of DMs are probably like, you know, of course they'll have some enemies run away. But, like, not every enemy has to be, like, fight to the death. Like, if you if you see that they're going to lose, maybe they fuck off. Maybe goblins, after they see their, like, friends get fucked up, oh, yeah. do what they do. With anything d- approaching, like, intelligent level. And it doesn't mean they give up on the fight. It means that they run away to live another day and, you know, well, tell their kin about it. And it's like, hey, yeah, we're going we're gonna to shut up in ambush. We're going to wait till they sleep. And that, sleep yeah, that's, that's yeah. one of my favorite things is, like... Like I in when in my Dark Heresy game, and you guys are both in that, so I have to be careful how much I say. But I have I have DM charts for stuff that I've come up with. One of them's a fall chart because falling damage is so fucking lethal. So I have a scatter die, where like if you fall off a building, maybe the wind hits you just right and blows you right back against the building, and you can make a chance to like catch on a window ledge or a pipe mm-hmm. or something, or it can go the other way and just blow you out in the middle of the street and you die. Or you can, or you fall on like a, a truck full of pillows. Yeah, that's 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 a one, and that's not going to happen because I'm rolling a d10. Yeah. But um, no, I I just have stuff that can happen, which is really neat. Um, another thing I do for fights is I'll set a morale level of the enemy on a d20, or you know it'll be a one to twenty level where one is like a small child, like you say boo and they run. And then, like, a 20 is like an orc war boss, where it's like, he's going to fight you even if he dies, because that's what he does. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, she could fight! But I make things take that away, so, Mm -hmm. like, 
you you have these guys, your average guy who is a combatant is going to have like a 10. Well, you kill all of his friends. Well, that goes down to a five now. Yeah. And I'll roll uh, a D20. And if it's five or under, that guy's going to keep fighting mm-hmm. because he's like, you killed my friends. I'll kill you. But if it's over that, when it when I determine a morale shock hits, you'll have these guys suddenly just run. And I have that for different things. So, and I have consequences for it. Like if you kill a bunch of the guys and one or two of them get away, I'll have them run back to their gang after laying low a few days and go say, okay, here's what happened. And the gang leader can believe or not believe. I make them roll for it. And so the gang leader will go, oh my God, these guys are killing our guys. They're fucking up my operation. And depending on how much information this guy's able to give them Mm -hmm. from what he saw you guys do, that then determines what they know about you when they come after you and they are kitted out appropriately. And so I do all these things behind the scene. You'll just hear me rolling dice a few times and laughing because I'm determining, you know, yeah. are the next phases of stuff. And, and Jim's don't think you have to do this much bookkeeping unless you want to. No, I, I'm, I'm yeah. very autistic. Well, yeah, yeah. And, it's, and it's fun. I mean, like um, it, it can be fun to, to make the mechanics uh to you know put more mechanics on it like i did that uh, when i was running vtm where i mean there's a courage stat in that game so it kind of made things easier so i just made a little chart you know what causes what difficulty for the for the check you know versus like one guy died okay there's going to be like a simple check to see if people are going to break and run if they're like mortal gangers or whatever you know and it goes all the way to being like the last man standing or being injured or whatever i mean like there's this one time where the party just came in and then like one turn before the enemy could even react, they wiped out everyone but the boss. And I, you know, in front of them, I just rolled a check. Okay, yeah, he didn't give a fuck that you killed his guy, the one guy or most of the guys or all the guys. But then when he actually gets shot at, he failed that check, which was the easy one. And yeah. then and, and everyone, you know, laughed. Um, but that's, I mean, that adds layers to a game. Yeah, or you can just simplify it and do what I think... Uh, Shadowrun 4 and 5e recommend was depending on like broadly how professional they do like the 1 to 6 rating uh, how many guys have to fall before the rest run away like at level 1 which rating 1 which is like gangers a quarter of them go down the rest are going to run away well of course yeah yeah. Um, like corpse sec it's like half once you get into like cops it's like three quarters have to fall before they pull out Hmm. Uh, and then like the crazy like you know too cool for you red samurai badasses like no they fight to the death yeah and i i get that i Mm -hmm. mean that that adds a lot of layers now when it comes down to like game mechanics we don't agree with it's like mike found the 2d20 system way clunky it's it's too clunky and it's supposed to be narrative and there's a lot of game stuff involved i know it's supposed to be role-playing game but it it feels like uh, i'm a dm against my players at times and i'm like that's not my i mean these are my first of all friends but also like i'm not that kind of person i'm not like a person who's like i have to win i'm gonna put a lot of shit in the way that isn't just an enemy with a stat bar it's usually like with ross i fucking put a the klingons put a bomb in the thunder child and he had to defuse it no one else could help him and he had to do that by himself. I, that was like one of the little tasks I put in there. If he didn't stumble across that, that was going to blow up and no, everyone would have been like, oh shit. But he found it. And I, I was like, that's a better boss than just putting in 
well, yeah. big stompy McBuff guy. With plus two to all stats. Yeah. And, and, well, and that's, and, and that's was, a good point. In in thinking outside the box and yeah. being a DM, it's one of those things of I can challenge. Like, let's say you have a guy who's a uber fighter in D&D. Yeah. He's an uber fighter. He has he has training with all the weapons. He has the ability Brando. to just, yeah, just Brondo, you know, brick, slab chest, whatever. And he goes out there <laughs> and he can just tear people apart like fucking tissue paper. Okay, challenge him with the weather. He's out questing. Weather gets bad. You can't see. You're lost. There's nothing to eat. Starvation now becomes your problem. Because no matter how big and strong he is, it, and it's hard to chase a deer down with a sword. <laughs> it's, it, it, it's hard to like be able to you know, like make a bow when you don't use them and then hunt something to eat. And if you have no survival skills, you go, are these mushrooms poisonous? <laughs> Brando throw rocket deer. And and I also just don't like extended task stuff where it's like you're trying to find a cure for a disease and it's an extended task and you have to roll and roll and roll until you get the right amount or you fail and then you don't do it and it's like you're just in there wasting everyone's time. Like yeah. let's 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 nail that down to a check. Are they able to do the science? Sure. They could probably come up with the science. I reward people from coming up with techno babble. I do. That's like a, that's not even a mechanic in the game. I just reward people for coming up with yeah, really a, creative Star Trek techno babble to figure out a situation. I'm like, yeah, well, absolutely. People are getting into character. Yeah, I'm I'm in for that. If you're gonna do that, that's great. And that's one of the reasons why I've switched Star Trek Adventures 2D20 over to Genesis, and it has been a little bit clunky at first, but now I've got it narrowed down. Where uh, we did a test game, and by the time you guys hear this, all that sort of already have happened. Uh, but we did a test game and it ran great. Everybody had a great time. The, it, like it was much smoother. I just had to get rid of the combat uh, turn system. That was it. Well, yeah, and I, I love doing the techno babble because it's like bounce a graviton particle beam off the main deflector dish, you know, and just uh, like from that song, USS yes. make shit yes. up and yes. and just just make nonsense up yeah you know, there's uh, well, coffee in that nebula until you say something like uh t- like you can say tachyon all day but understand that you're telling a gm who knows what tachyons are in the universe don't just say it because that sounds cool because i'm going to be like all right yeah go ahead fire tachyons and then see what happens I, I just imagine like the death grip song whenever you say that or 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 the like i i know i want to make a chronoton field really we're dealing with time travelers now <laughs> now we are yeah um <laughs> congratulations it's your uncle from See, the past I, I'm, fine uh, I'm fine with techno babble i'm fine with techno babble but yeah it, it has to be like somewhat creative and so, and fun so, so don't do it like ricky and trailer park boys well the, breaker breaker this is rocket ship 49 i like the idea well they they figured out a way to stop the caveman virus in the test game yeah by creating a uh, a field on their belt like the engineer made a belt that oh, basically that blocks it that blocks it yeah because it was a uh, it was because of the ion storms it was okay. de-evolving everybody and he created this thing that just he figured out the science to actually create a field big enough to surround the party and they had to stay together see now that's cool and that's yeah. narrative yeah they came up with that i didn't make that that was there that was it wasn't like here's a thing that they could do it was just like that's i didn't think of that that was fucking brilliant well and another thing that homebrewing teaches us is it's like skill bloat so many games have so many fucking specific skills yes. that are just ridiculous mm-hmm. because like you know imagine if we had to play Shadowrun 4e without that chummer app oh, 
fuck. Yeah, where we're sitting there like, you're like, okay, you gotta roll this, and it's us going through like eight pages of shit, going, uh, okay, hold on, uh, do, do I have the profession nail filing skill? No, no, you don't. You don't know how to use that. <laughs> no, well, I mean, like, Shadowrun, it's more like they have the skill groups, which are supposed to sort of mitigate that. But you don't want to pay that much if you're only going to be using like one or two because it's they subdivide firearms into automatics, long arms and pistols because apparently you can be a great pistol shot. But oh, no, this thing shoulder fired. Oh, I don't know how to, how to aim this. Yeah, and it's that's that's why I like like how Dark Heresy handles it. Yeah, it's like it's a are stat. You, are you familiar with how guns work? Yeah. And and that's why I like a lot of D one hundred systems. And I like that you can specialize or specializations, yes, but I, it should have yes. it should just be like one firearm skill, and then you can specialize in you know whichever uh, whichever like you know assault rifles or SMGs or whatever. And you should be able to get multiple of them. Well, right. I, I like the idea of that because that's a lot like D and D, where mm -hmm. you say weapon focus, and you're like, oh well, I'm good with all swords, axes, whatever. I'm but really, I really like I yeah my preference yeah. I have practiced the most with this giant fucking axe hell yeah and and that's what my combat style is about and mm -hmm. that kind of brings it in I I would also say like if you're going to do any kind of homebrewing um don't just drop it on people let them know because you're gonna have oh, some yeah, especially no, if you're dealing with rules lawyer people yeah. oh god well that's well, just, tell, just yeah tell them ahead of time that like hey in your skills here i've completely condensed it down to this so it's a lot easier yeah they, they have to know what the actual rules are to play yes but there are people who are like oh yeah i didn't t i didn't put that in you know and I, i'm yeah, like no. that's not yeah, you got to communicate with people about it. Like, especially if you're like, hey, we're going to play D&D &D 5e, except we're not going to use any of these weird spells here. These are the only spells you have access to. People will be like, all right, sounds fine. You yeah. know, as long as you tell them ahead of time. Don't invite yeah. a level 10 wizard well, in there and he's so got... they can be like, okay, yeah. well, if, if this is how it's going to be, I don't want to play a wizard. Then. Exactly. So that way they can make a decision ahead of time. Well, yeah, communication is everything. Um, yes. It's, it's kind of like... Well, we'll talk about my homebrew maybe in, in a little bit. But one of the things I wanted to talk about was like one of the homebrewing aspects I like when I create games or concepts is I like let's use dwarves as an example. Some worlds do dwarves really well and mm -hmm. some worlds do not. Dragon how, Age. Yeah. How, uh, yeah. Fucking beardless dwarves. Get fucked. Um, so you can, you can do beardless dwarves. Get fucked. So, <laughs> as it, however, uh, as I'm a player who leans heavily into like how fucking, fucking badass dwarves are, well, you know, and I, I, door fortress dwarves yeah. are, you know, peak dwarf for who me. Who can be clean shaven, by the way? They can be, but I ignore that. So, um, <laughs> they've been punished for their okay. sins. Okay. Okay. What about mutton chops, though? No, no, well, that, that's, that's that's female dwarves. Yeah, that's female dwarves. Oh, <laughs> didn't know that. Yeah, so I, I I tend to I tend to look at dwarves in a different way. But we were talking about like dwarves in Shadowrun. Goat and I were talking about dwarves in Shadowrun. Yeah, how, where they're kind of unremarkable. Yeah, they're unremarkable. And it's that's, like, oh, they're the meta type that's kind of like humans, but not really. So they deal with discrimination, but they don't talk about it. Yeah, and I'm like, like, no. 
Um, so we we came up with that idea of like dwarven clans and like mountain homes, and so dwarven arcologies exactly because it's a cyberpunk setting, right? So that was that was the, our solution because we said, well, no, dwarves are a clan structure; they would band together. Mm-hmm. And you you look at like immigrant communities in the United States where you have like you know Korea town, Mexican town, Little Italy, what have you, yeah, and they leave a mark on their area. You know, you go to Little Italy, it has a very unique style and culture and everything yeah. else. So, Shadowrun has the yeah. they have like elf ghettos uh, and like elf districts if they're rich or ghettos if they're poor. There's orc ghettos or entire districts of uh, just like orc slums. Even trolls will kind of band together. Right. Um, and right. We don't talk about it this much, but we expanded on it. They're being just off the grid communities outside of the sprawls. Yeah, and sure. Those tend to be divided among racial lines. And I, I like yeah. the idea of, you know, like dwarves are a clan hi- hierarchy. So they would have the mountain homes, which would be their name for, as we found, arcologies. Mm-hmm. So you'd have a whole arcology of dwarves that are given over to industry or trade or whatever. Yeah. And or everything they can, everything they can, you know, branch into. Right. And it's also a corporation. Right, of course. I mean, that's that's how they they do their collective, you know, buying power in in a very capitalistic setting. And so the thing is, is I looked at, you know, fantasy, you look at dwarves and fantasy and usually like in D&D, it's very boring. Like you can be a hill dwarf or a mountain dwarf or you can be an underdog dwarf, the Dorigar, and it gets kind of eh. So one of the things I was wondering is how do we make dwarves dwarvier? Because we like Tolkien dwarves. We like Warhammer fantasy dwarves, mm-hmm. especially old Warhammer fantasy before Age of Sigmar. And you, we, we like, of course, Dwarf Fortress dwarves. And so one of the ways I thought about homebrewing that is you have racial traits and cultural traits and national traits. Mm-hmm. So let's say you have somebody who is a dwarf. And they have the dwarf natural predilection toward hardiness and a natural predilection toward strength because they they labor a lot underground and they're known for having a very tough constitution. Then you look at the cultural traits, weaponsmithing, metalsmithing, mining, uh, all these things of industry and trade. Then you look at national traits. What is their clan prize? Oh, this clan, they're the finest silversmiths. Mm-hmm. Oh, this clan. This they're clan the, is very, uh, what's the word, austere. They don't like jewelry, but they make these very functional, like, industrial setups or their uh, agriculture is very efficient. Yeah, the, or or they're natural explorers of yeah. of the underground. So they, they have, like, a sixth sense, even in darkness, about yeah. trouble. And you you find these, these ways to shape your world. And I encourage people who are homebrewing not to just say, Oh, yeah, in this game, I created this custom class that's totally fucking broken for my girlfriend or whatever. Uh, <laughs> I've only seen that eight times. But um, I, I would say that don't be afraid to come up with layers of stuff for yeah. players to choose from because player choice really helps them make unique characters. And if your characters have shared backgrounds at the table, you can come up with a reason to know each other other than they all meet in the tavern for some reason. Mm-hmm. You'll walk into the stuffer shack. Now that's that's an awesome setup. I it use is. that unironically every time. Yeah, stuffer shack. I mean, the food fight one is is yeah. is, is really good. Um, but I mean, what about elves? There's the question. Because well, here's the thing: is that there's there's kind of unlike dwarves, elves. There's way too many permutations. Yes, because there's like okay, are elves like this sort of 
angelic you know philosophical idealized race are they like are they tolkien elves or or are they like hippie uh maybe cannibalistic like party isolationist forest you know wood elves are they these weird you know edgy uh like drow basically were there these isolationist like infighting yugoslavian ass motherfuckers well and that's that's the thing is that like when you look at D &D, the one thing that D D did kind of poorly was that they had this giant diaspora Mm -hmm. of all the races so you're like you'll find all the races everywhere and i'm like no no that's generally not how how things work because um i think that you'll find the bulk of asian people are in asia and the bulk of African people are in Africa. Some people will move to different areas based on various things. Yeah, that will and there encourage. will be some areas that are naturally cosmopolitan because of, of course. crossroads. Or, of course, you know, trade crossroads centers. of trade, crossroad, or you know, um, a great cataclysm mm-hmm. drove these people from this land, and all of those things. But one of the things I try to warn people about when they're creating world-building events is they just go, well, I want my players to be able to play anything anywhere. And I'm going, yeah, no, that doesn't work like that. But what if either one, have your character be a traveler from a far off land Mm -hmm. because fish out of water stories are really interesting. Yeah, well, I mean, come on. It's the classic, you know, uh, fantasy and just adventure in general. It's like you have all these ragtag bunch of people from all over the world with different skill sets and experiences and they come together. Right. I mean, that's like Conan the Barbarian. Yeah. You know, you've got, you've got the crazy old man wizard. You've got the thief. You've got, you know, just all these people coming together. And that's, that's interesting Mm -hmm. because they're all from different places and, Oh, you're from the fabled land of Samaria. Yeah. And that's interesting. But I, I find that a lot of, settings like fade run especially uh where it just gets kind of stamped generically and and that's that's also a problem with a lot of fantasy settings in general fairin's very diverse it's just everybody just always focuses on the sword coast well i that's what i meant yeah yeah if you look up on the internet fairin it's literally just the sword coast i i I agree good on that well there's the remembered realms which is the sword coast and there's the forgotten realms aka everything else yeah (laughs) Yeah, you have like you have areas that are like arabian nights on crack yeah, you have a lot of stuff, and I feel like uh, I I think you can uh, you can play the game however you want to. Don't don't take from this that we might disagree with. Yeah, no, uh, I mean it's whatever is fun for your group. We would like we wouldn't run something like that. However, if you're going to run something where it's like all the, all the people in Icewind Dale are dragonborn, yeah, go right ahead, man. It's your game, but just know that like it it would make it more interesting if there was a well made reason beforehand and it isn't just i just want a bunch of dragon people living up in the mountains man i mean i don't know why i give it a southern accent you can have a shit ton of (laughs) and you can have a lot of fun uh with a party that isn't diverse yeah yeah i mean no if if you have a party that's not diverse that's that's what i was talking about all wizard party yeah no i played in an all wizard party it was fucking metal yeah it was crazy um, the thing is you can play a party that's not diverse at all and you'll still find diversity if you do it right. Yeah. So as I was saying with dwarves, you have all these dwarves. Well, if they're all different craftsmen or whatever, it's, it's like the Hobbit. It's all these guys from the mountain homes who are trying to go to the other mountain and recover their blah, blah, blah. And that's interesting. Or I played in a game, one of my favorite games, it was all clerics. Yeah. And we were all clerics of different <laughs> the gods. ecumenical. Yes, we were having an ecumenical um, meeting of the faith. 
And we were all going together at this conclave to discuss this prophecy. And so we had clerics of all these different faiths. I played a cleric of Kasuth, the flame. And we all had these really interesting outlooks on this prophecy. And we all had to weigh in on it. And we had guys that were like lawful evil. We had guys that were lawful good. And we had people who were neutral. And we everyone work of Jesus. Yeah. And we, we all had to work together to create this wonderful sort of adventure from all these different viewpoints. And if you played an all wizard party, that would be fucking crazy because you have all these different schools of magic. So you have like, imagine if there was this great meeting of the wizards in this town every year and every wizard college sent their best young wizard to this wizard college or this wizard meeting and, you know, you've got a guy from the evocation school, a guy who's an illusionist and all these things showing up and then something happens, a murder and they have to solve it. But they're all fucking wizards. That would be hilarious. Or you have an all monk party where it's like a kung fu movie. Yes. And you, but you have but they're all like different, you know, styles of monk or they're similar at which point. Hell, I mean, you can have like a party where everyone's a similar character concept. And it's just like a buddy cop movie. Yeah, exactly. As long as, but you know, you'll want to develop the characters uh, and see how it branches out and changes. But you know, that's that's half the fun too. Well, right. And the the big part of this is just making the system your own. Yeah, is is just taking a crazy idea and pouring water on it and watching it grow. You adapt the system to you, not yourself to the system. And uh, uh, what was the next part of your question that you were going to ask? Well, I was going to say, let's talk about homebrew in terms of making your own project. Because, Mike, you have a pretty amazing homebrew project where you're taking Star Trek, Star Wars 2D20, and converting it into the Genesis system. Because you just got tired of how clunky everything was and you saw how things worked and how things melded and you just said fuck it i'm gonna run genesis yeah uh and did you say star wars i don't know my brain must uh, no no it's fine uh star star track okay no my for some reason my head just heard star wars and i'm i probably said star wars and i'll find out in editing anyway (laughs) here's here's what we'll do in editing um you you just replace it with this um i was gonna say windows updates no i was gonna say replace it with Star Trek. Okay. If if I said Star Wars. Anyway. Yeah. So Star Star Trek, you've said I've had enough of Modifius's Modifius. Uh, yeah. Two D twenty. Yes. And you're like, eh, this is cool Genesis. Well, the problem with their Modifius system is you have two skills that you roll with. You have two D twenty. The way this is how it works. You've got your attributes, which max out at twelve, and you've got your um your abilities, which max out at five. Now, in the 2D20 system, if you roll a 20, that's a failure. If you roll a 1, that's a high success. It's reversed from what people might know of rolling, you know, D20. However, the problem is that if you have a character who has 12 in reason and 5 in engineering, that means they only have two dice worth of failure that they could hit. That's a a shitty number. You're like, oh, you can increase the difficulty every single time. But I'm like, there's there's a skill ceiling. There's nowhere for them to go. So you always have to run everything at a difficulty of five every time, just so that way they have a chance of failure. Otherwise, they're just going to solve every single problem. And if you're like, oh, well, then they just made an overpowered character. You just do that through the character creation system. Seriously, you can make a super amazing character who's good at engineering and medicine 
from the start. I know. I when when I was watching how those characters build, I said they didn't play test this. <laughs> they didn't play test it. No, I can always tell when they play tested stuff, and I can tell when they ran out of time. Yeah. So if you only have two, if you only have two numbers worth of failure, being eighteen or sorry, nineteen and twenty, uh, yeah, that's kind of fucked up. None of your players are going to lose at anything. So you're like, oh, as a DM, then you have to give them different checks. I'm like. Why would I give them a command check for running the computer system? <laughs> I command you, computer, to... There are skills and talents, though, that I like that where you can replace command with computers, which is a, some mental gymnastics. I have no idea how they explain it. I honestly think they just got the license and kind of just wrote shit really quickly. Yeah, well, I mean, they were probably like, oh, they're going to rip it out of our hands. <laughs> I think, well, I, they also had like a bunch of like uh, tie-ins with Star Trek Online and all, oh, all that stuff. Oh. Yeah, and I'm, I'm not like saying that they did that because that's, I don't know. It just feels like it's unfinished is what I'm trying to get at. So well, I, I was yeah. like, all right, I'll convert this to Genesis. Genesis is a mostly narrative dice system where um, success and failure uh, is much easier to understand than, uh, and you can actually set the difficulty much higher, and you can also give them setbacks. Everything's got a dice. There's a lot of dice in the game, but it's a lot easier to understand, especially if you have the chart right there for everyone to see. Because as I learned with Psydoc, uh, apparently he, he played Genesis for something like a year and a half, and he had no idea what any of the dice did. <laughs> So he he just went by whatever the GM would tell him. <laughs> what when it, it is quite it is it is a very weird uh, dice system to anybody who's uninitiated, and I am uninitiated. I still find it kind of weird, but I I like the I like how it's set so. Up. Well, here's here's the thing is okay. Like as a DM, we you you said oh we could play a Star Trek game, but you knew from the start from the people you had and the characters they were making mm-hmm. that you were not headed for a normal game of Star Trek. And then it slowly no. became. I wasn't going to make a normal game. Well, I know, but it became <laughs> Star Trek and yeah. just became. Oh, Ryan here. Yeah, just shit posting and memes. And it was so good because everyone just embraced it. Yeah. And, and even. It felt when, like a TV show. Well, that was the best part of it was that the fans and the audience came up with. I We were just playing off them. And they said, yeah, in before behind the music something something i think that's what they said yeah, on one channel behind the scenes yeah and we were saying oh behind the scenes and we kept coming up with behind the scenes and we said yeah this was the show they shot a bunch of and then it like ran for a season and then they were like oh no this isn't gonna work and yeah, they like Slarn yeah. are never in the same frame because there's only one costume yeah yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah we we'd come up with this whole behind the scenes thing so after they'd roll and do something like I I access the computer and then it cut to like the behind the scenes and like yeah the computer wasn't actually plugged in that day so like they would do stuff like that it was a lot of fun yeah and I I loved how we came up with ideas for things not working yeah and, you know like people not being there or whatever we or just, just or like a fight team you describe like yeah your stunt double runs up and <laughs> yeah and, and that added so much to it but I mean it yeah. shows the joy of the homebrew if you just say fuck it and go with it yeah. It's um, one of the great improv moments in in yes, was, but yes, but yeah, or yes, and yes, and uh, and 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 I'm not saying you can't say no. You can say no, but mm-hmm. but don't say no and stop them from doing something. Yeah, I, I didn't. Unless Part, they're being really shitty, I've had to say just no. You don't. Well, I mean, with with games where it's like there's a lot of rules and systems, and people are trying to be like power gamey. Yes. Yeah. But like in some like, ways, a narrative can't game. Do this. 
I'm, I'm always going like in a narrative game. I'm like, go ahead and see what happens. Yeah. Because if they roll really well and they pass, I'm like, fuck it. We're, apparently you've lifted up that fucking grate. Now you're flying through the air like you're the silver surfer. What are you going to do next? The wall's coming toward you. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. I'm, a, I'm like, yeah, okay. Let's see how I can make it fucked up because I can play the game with everyone else. Like, And that's where you kind of have to be like, all right, well, I mean, if you want to be like extra about it then let's make it extra i'm i'm fine with that but i think converting it to genesis was a much better idea for me and we're gonna find out i'm probably gonna eat my words after this um we're gonna find out for sure but i i based on the test game we ran everybody had a great time the system was much easier to understand failures were a lot more often instead of in like and it's not a failure as in you don't get to do that it was right. a fail upwards as in oh no you access the system but now you've just turned on all the sprinklers and they're yeah. like oh oh and like, yeah, it's really wet in here. Now all the computers are shorting out. You know, stuff like that. And you're like, oh. So it's like they still got what they wanted. They just didn't do it cleanly. Like you give them, the, you, yeah, you allow the players to continue the story and continue the game without them going, all right, you failed that. Now what are you going to yeah, do? Fall forward. That's the one good thing that Wang, uh, Icky, Wrath, and Glory uh, implemented into the system. That was a one good the element. One thing they did. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah you got like the walls are starting to close on you. It's like, I use my super Mondo strength to push back on the walls. And it's like, all right, let's see how you do. Yeah. You push the walls, slow down. They're still coming. Yeah. Like, like you, you allow them to still succeed, but the dice and Genesis also have threats and failures and triumphs, which give them a lot of extra stuff. I've been, I've actually been converting triumphs into momentum that they can use for later, uh, which has been really nice. Uh, but it, it honestly feels like a much better, an easier to understand system than what 2d20 is. And I think the reason Star Trek adventures went with 2d20 is because Modiphius owns the rights to 2d20 and they're like, we're going to have to use our system. No, it's like it's just anything. Well, it's I a narrative got the license. We're using it. Star Trek is a narrative game. There's a FASA Star Trek where you can play with a bunch of math. If you're, boring yeah i've seen fast star trek no i've seen it and i was like "Ooh, no yeah <laughs> there's a lot of sh i mean if you like battletech you'll probably like if you like battletech rules is written old school battletech you'll <laughs> if, like star trek if you if you love battletech comma programming uh an eniac computer to break the uh enigma codes yeah. you'll love fast star no, no, trek no, this, this give me an bad I'm Captain Duncan Fisher. I don't give a fuck about your prime directive. <laughs> oh, God. But no, I mean, that's that's the thing is like make the game your own. And, yeah. and you, you've you done Even 5e. Well. If you're running a 5e module, make it your own. Yeah. Switch it up a little bit, especially if some people and you know that they're going to probably read ahead. It, just let them fucking let them fucking do their thing. But like, no, the rat's nest isn't down there. What's well, down there? A bunch of broken glass. Yeah. And they're oh, like, yeah. oh, 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 okay. Well, that's not a big deal. The glass starts swirling around at your feet and they start forming into... <laughs> Die hard style. Uh, yeah. It starts forming into a strange being, almost like a glass golem. Oh. Yeah. And yeah, you, you change like it up. You change it up well, on them a little bit and they go, oh, shit. I, I whack the glass golem. All right. Well, now there's flying glass <laughs> shards coming at your face. Or or like what, what Puzzle Plate did in our test game, which I want to bring up because I think it's the Please funniest do. thing. Please do. We were doing the test game for Star Trek and Puzzle... Not Puzzle Plate. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Puppet Master. Puppet Master did this. He's the one who's editing our Star Trek Adventures podcast game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he was playing a Ferengi... And he was a Frankie officer and they were all in combat. We were testing out combat initiative stuff and I decided to throw that out. But in that, 
it came up to his turn and they were outside of a sh- crash shuttle and there was all these cavemen surrounding him and they're like fighting and everything. And he's like, yeah, I take a few steps back and then I go rule of acquisition. Number two fourteen. dead men make no deals. And he shuts the door, <laughs> <laughs> which I thought was the funniest fucking thing. And I, I was like, yeah, that's exactly he's playing his character. Right. And I, I appreciated that. I'm, well, I'm fine with people who do that. I know that he had enough ability where he could have fought and I'm fine with characters that have like a very, I I'm scared mentality. Um, the only time I, I wouldn't allow that is if they're just going to try to straight up back away from the party as they're doing something. I'm like, no, yeah, no, no, get your ass thing. in there with yeah. the rest of them. Where the fuck you, you going? Just be, but it's what my, my character would just leave the party and go do his own th- and go start a business. I, I I have noticed that in watching your games, both of you, is like there's always there's always going to be someone who is like in the back trying not to get involved yeah. in the fights, yeah. and it's like I'm going to be like, oh no, looks like the door behind you start. Uh, there's like a flame coming out of it. It might have been caught on fire. Maybe someone had a candle in there. You might want to get away from there because you know pressure builds up. That door is going to pop off. You know, I I yeah. I, I, I want to push people in the right well, direction. Yeah, you you want to you want to push them, nudge give them, them. Mo- give them motivation. Yes. Don't railroad them. Motivate them to do something. Well, that was and that's the thing is like I had I had a guy on the comments because I I said that I've I've read through the Strahd books. I played in Ravenloft a few times. I played uh, Curse of Strahd. Curse uh, of the Skeleton King. Yeah, Curse like. of the Skeleton King. Um, <laughs> make you go to the nightmare dimension yeah you How can't you? escape i want it you wanted to fucking die i've never uh, played yeah. curse of strahd but i've always imagined strahd to have like the uh, bella lugosi accent well yeah <laughs> what is a man no 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 bella no, lugosi what is a man what a miserable pile of secrets you but no, um, yeah, me or me machine in the BPL ran Curse of Stride, and he did a really amazing job. Like he prepared really well. He set the atmosphere. He set the tone. He went above and beyond. He did all these awesome voices. I mean, really good DM. And um, he ran Curse of Strahd. And I had someone afterward, because I'd mentioned a Let's Play, Curse of Strahd. And I said, I don't really care for the module all that much. But Meme was such a great DM. I appreciated it. I really enjoyed it. Um, But the thing that's really funny is someone said, well, how would you improve Curse of Strahd if you don't really care for the module? And I said, okay, off the top of my head. This is the homebrewing exercise. Yeah. Off the top of my head, you get summoned there, and there's a note, and at Strahd's Castle, you set up all the stuff to go to Strahd's Castle. It's still Ravenloft, still spooky as hell, all these terrible things, people dying, crying, whatever, and you go to Strahd's Castle to meet Strahd, and Strahd's so depressed he killed himself. And and, and there's a note there that says, I couldn't take this miserable fucking dimension another day. It's always the same. Whoever reads this note is now empowered with my powers to control this uh, pocket dimension. By the way, if you try to leave, it'll collapse and kill everyone here. So they're trapped by the plane, just like they would be. But they have to fix pocket dimension stride and make everything nice or not. 
and, yeah. and it's in its spooky Transylvania town. So you could be like, Strahd's dead. Everyone rejoice. And they're like, it still sucks. And you're like, but yeah, Strahd's dead. And they're like, those old ladies are still grinding people into dirt in the mill. And you're like, oh, oh my God. And then you have to try to fix it because there's the undead werewolves and just or all the just horrible go, shit. Fuck it. I'm going to lure some other adventures to make it their problem. Exactly. Then, so you could become game, Strahd. Yeah. And then the yeah. game turns into, inevitably turns into some Rocky Horror Picture Show ripoff. But that's that's hopefully the thing. less fucked. Up. Yeah, hopefully less fucked. <laughs> yeah, up. don't unless that's unless that's your thing. But man, I've never heard of an ERP group going well. Yeah, no. So you know, and that that just comes into like my current homebrew project. I approached you guys, people who've DM for me before, are in this group, and um, the the game is I I really like older 40k. I think the newer 40k is fucking terrible and i've already read yeah, start it. checking that on your bingo yeah so my my homebrew project i i said you know I've, I've said a lot about my my distaste of modern 40k i like older 40k but more than that i love stories in the margins stories that are out of the main giant space marine come down kill everyone with a bolter leave yeah. story that's just repeated ad infinitum the, the, you know, the auditor who goes to the big giant castle where the guy's like, it's made from a thousand points of steel. is like, really? Where did you, who's your mill? Yeah, exactly. Play the auditor. I like that idea. Well, we've, we've talked about 40 K in the margins cause it's a hilarious universe to explore as a common man. And so I created this homebrew game that's in this one five edition of dark heresy and it's called the Magistrata Mundanus. And it's about being local cops on this planet and everyone in the party is someone not a cop not a, they are nope. not cops no i i said that is you are forbidden from playing policemen and they found out by this weird bureaucratic snafu that they're all policemen and they had to report to duty and so basically it's like a team meets yeah it's, it's like a team meets police academy a little bit of Reno nine one one. A little bit of Reno nine one one. Yeah, and then some LA noir thrown in. Yeah, and you guys have fucked up everything, and it's it's been really funny. We've achieved a hundred percent success rate on our calls so far. I don't know <laughs> what you're talking about. We stopped a bank robbery from these horrible little men with like assault rifles. Okay, I, yeah, and my character didn't no even steal any died. money. Think about that. I didn't steal any money. I stole a lot of dope. dope. Yeah, you I stole, stole a lot of, I stole stole a lot of dope. dope. <laughs> and, and, and the ramifications of that will haunt you. But so, no, okay, 100% you did your job. Let's describe how you guys uh, stopped that illegal party going on in the sewers. Dude, by 40K standards. Mama. By 40K standards, yes. We're but, keeping the order. Yes, do yes. You think, do you think we, do you think if, we're like six people assigned to like an area the size of New York City or like Manhattan or something like that with twice the population density. Do you really think that the we're expected to get like a trial by jury for every single... Oh, no, single, no, no, yeah. no. But I, I love... It, it, you can't say you've done everything right, but you've done everything well. That's that's the funny yeah. thing. And we happenstance. And we talked about exactly what we did uh, in the barbershop on a previous podcast. That was hilarious. No, yeah. the, the, there was a rave going on in the sewers, mm -hmm. and we stormed down. We climbed down the manhole to go yell at them and tell them to stop. 
But Diggs' character, who's a psyker and a noble, is like, no, nah, I don't want to get my, my feet dirty. So he uses his power to walk on the ceiling. <laughs> yeah, that was that was awesome. <laughs> and then the ravers see that, and they immediately freak out and run away because, you know, spooky acid trip, you know, uh, Benadryl demons coming at them. I got so much dope from those guys. Yes, you did. <laughs> at the same time, Deputy's character, this creer, is yelling at them, and they all run away, and he doesn't notice... Diggs's character, and he thinks, "Oh, it was just him." So a couple guys got stampeded and left behind. I'm saying, "Okay, let's well, let's bring him back so we can question him." Meanwhile, the rest of the party is either looting them for dope yep. or uh, breaking <laughs> their sound equipment. Which, uh, okay, I, the I, music was pretty bad. Yeah, but I don't think that's lawful for us to do. Uh, but we drag him. Well, back it up. was a it's a lawful unlawful piece of equipment playing unlawfully in an unlawful yeah, location. Yeah, probably didn't have a permit, so there's no permit for that. Yeah, Break no. all day. Yeah, besides, but, it was flooding anyway. Yeah, and then halfway through, they give up on hauling them out of the sewers, and the rest and they're tied up, and the rest of the party just eats them down back down into the sewers. As there's rain and the sewers are filling up with water. Yeah, yeah. okay, that that was. I don't think technically we should have done that. Yeah, that, that's what I love is revisiting these after effects, and then deputy wrote the report. Yeah. For for what happened, and it's it's just like every other phrase is lawfully and correctly, <laughs> you know. <laughs> It's so good. It's It's been really fun. But, I mean, the next thing I want to talk about in homebrew is, is like, a lot of people fuck this up. And they, they do it because they're trying to make the best ever. A lot of people want to do the chosen one route. A lot of people want to do the holy item route, the holy grail route. But let's talk about homebrew weapons and artifacts. The fun shit of any setting. And my feeling is... Is and this is for people who are struggling to homebrew anything. Come up with a cool weapon, a cool sword, or a cool hammer, or mm-hmm. a cool jewel that has a magical effect. And then from there, you do the Gygax thing. You go, well, for a thing to exist, it has to come from a place. Well, who made it? Well, why did they make it? Well, what was going on? Well, what is that place like? And then you build your dungeon mm-hmm. from that you build a dungeon well why is it down in this dungeon well what's above the dungeon and you slowly build out until you have a city and then a world yeah and but let's come up just to show our homebrewing chops an artifact or cursed artifact for players to use something to find in a dungeon I want to just say, use the bones the bone saw nope, no no we, no oh uh, I, I have one but, but hang on, but look up Seth Skorkowski's The Bone Saw. Look up Seth Skorkowski anything. Yeah, yeah, he's a really good uh, yeah. guide on stuff. Oh yes. man, if we get him on this, that will be fucking great. If we got him on this, we would just be quiet and nodding. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm fine with that. And he's like, oh, and then if you read, uh, did you, if any of you guys read my books, and we go, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. We, we're aware they exist. Seth, we want to read your books, man, but we're... I, I'm retarded, and <laughs> I'm kind of retarded. I'm, I'm I'm already reading some stuff. Yeah, my it, reading list is about three years long. We we really love your YouTube channel, though. We really please, love this please YouTube. come on our podcast. Please please love us. Yeah, <laughs> please give us a nod. Was <laughs> senpai noticed? Us? Please respond. <laughs> no, we we love you, dude. Yeah, yes, we do. Um, a magical item. It, a magical item you would find in a dungeon or oh, locked uh, away in a starship or no, some no, no. just a thing. Do dungeon. It's much easier. A lot sure. of people. Yeah, 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 and a lot more people play fantasy than sci-fi. Yeah, um, a uh, log of eternal flame. A log of eternal flame. That's right. Okay, it's, so what does it do? It's basically a log that is always on fire. You can't put it out. You can't uh, 
like add, you can add more stuff on top of it and it'll burn that it'll just burn straight through it i mean so, just like a normal fire it's so, not nothing nothing crazy it burns like a normal oh, fire I, well but it can't be extinguished it cannot be extinguished someone like me is thinking like okay i'd go get some asbestos gloves and then i'd use it as a weapon you yeah know. you totally could if you got the asbestos gloves to do it yeah. but eventually you have to store it you're gonna put a fucking log of fire who's gonna steal a log well, Nobody I would, but yeah, yeah, yeah. If you knew it was the log of eternal yeah, you flame, you just did. <laughs> yeah. I, so you have the log of eternal flame. That's the first item I I would come up with. Okay. I, I it's like probably it. there is an eternal flame and a brazier and a. They yeah, were, and they, no one would look. People would be like, "When's the last time this was filled?" And they're like, "Oh, it's always been on." Okay. So so why is there a log of eternal flame? That's a good question. Maybe maybe it was something mundane, like some wizards like I'm tired of fucking going out and chopping wood. There we go. Yeah, they just he's fucking lazy. Yeah, Thousands of years wizard. ago, a wizard was like, "I am tired of going outside to chop wood." Okay, I only have eight strength. Go. Why is it? Why is it in a dungeon? Because dungeon. Because the dungeon is built. Well, okay. Same. This is a wizard, right? Yeah. Wizards yeah, do yeah. research. They mm. need illumination for research. This isn't a lab that. So it's a room that he doesn't sleep in or anything, but it's there. So that it's constantly illuminated so he can go in and work there whenever the hell he wants. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a mundane reason, but yeah. a cool artifact. Yeah, and also keep shit heated. Yeah. There doesn't have to be something. I mean, honestly, the fun thing is kind of with really weird ways to use relatively mundane, or not mundane, but relatively straightforward items like the immovable rod. Yeah, okay, I I got... Yeah, because players would play with that. The yeah. eternal. So I, I'm going to come up with an item, and we'll do this down the row, and then Goat comes up with an item. Um, okay, the Ring of Ideas. That's what it's called. It's a cursed item. They call oh, it the no. Ring of Ideas. You put it on, and it whispers ideas to you, but it is the worst possible thing you could do at any given moment. Oh, but moment. then you know what not to do. But it seems like a good idea. Okay, but then your buddies can restrain you. Of course they could. Yeah. But the thing is, is if, if you have it and you're the only person who hears it, and it sounds like it's in your voice, yeah. like your internal monologue. You should yeah. you should just cross the street. You don't need to look both ways. No, just be like, oh man, cute girl over there. You should go say hi. So what if it, no. I, well, I like I liked the idea of it being the ring of ideas, but it's like the ring of ideas more like no inhibitions. That's what I mean. So like if you, whatever straight thought you had in your head, like you see that baby and you're like, I could punch that baby. You just do it. Yeah, that's. <laughs> <laughs> you don't like, because everyone has these like weird thoughts um, oh, yeah, where yeah. it's just like, I can go up and just choke that person. So and you're I'm, just like, you're not like a violent person. You go, oh my God, why would I do that? But there's sometimes you have those weird thoughts that just kind of pop in your head. Yeah. So obviously this was found uh, at the, like at the bottom, at the foot of a mountain uh, off a dead guy who jumped off. Oh, I like that. Yes. Like you, you find it's like you, I, he sees a mountain. Oh, I should climb that. And you climb it. Oh, I could totally jump off. I bet I can and skid it, down this on my shield. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, dude, that would be so slick. Um, it was a uh, ring crafted by dwarves. Okay. Uh, magical dwarf Smith created yeah. this piece of jewelry because he was tired of a certain council member 
who was a know-it-all. I like that. <laughs> I, so, so he was for his wedding. He gave well not for his well maybe like a, a like as a gift. For yeah, yeah. Like, I made this very nice ring for you as a, as a token of my appreciation and friendship. I love that idea. That 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 sounds... clan is no longer heard of anymore. Yes. It, yeah. <laughs> because it turned him into dwarf fortress dwarves. I should build a lever that melts the world. <laughs> <laughs> yes. All right, goat, come up with an item. I was going to say a lever that melts. Not, not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Would you pull the lever? The, you see people doing this like over and over, just up and down. No, um, I'm coming up with ideas, but it's all stuff that's been done before. Or it's just like I'm remembering like stupid shit people did with it. Like one where it's this ring where it's a ring of invisibility, but only for stuff you put through so like oh i don't have oh my finger's missing but then you oh. find out it's not actually a ring of invisibility it's a tiny portal to like the fairy kingdom so on on this tg thread where people were where the guy was talking about it he said yeah and then the player took the ring and he just yeeted it into a lake causing a war between the fae court and uh like the whatever like you know uh water critters were living were living inside that lake or river or, or oh ocean or whatever yeah, see, that's fucked up. But I like it. So, so come come up with an item. I don't know, like boots that uh, hover over the ground. Oh, oh okay, okay. So it's because you don't want to get your shoes dirty. Oh, all right. But all the right. problem is, is how do you adjust? How do you go down? Or like, is it just set off from like a certain distance off the ground? Okay, so so boots that are always like a foot off the ground. Yeah. Okay. But what if you could adjust that? All right, and 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 it was created by a it was cra- uh, no a it fucking was, wizard who didn't want to get his shoes dirty. No, no, no. My take on that is it was it was ordered by a nobleman who lived in a snowy kingdom, mm-hmm. and he got tired of his feet getting cold. Actually, no, it's not just hovering over the ground. It go. It's it was a noble who was tired of tripping and shit all the time. Yeah. So wherever you expect, so like you you walk and wherever you expect your foot to hit the ground, that's where it's hitting the ground. So you can like, if you can convince yourself, oh, I can just walk up steps into the air, it'll do that. But then you look down and it's like some Looney Tune shit. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. So you, you so, just you just in your mind. Yeah. As you long just, as you can concentrate, you can walk across I, water. Okay. I I would then say these boots are found in the middle of a desert next to a skeleton with obviously destroyed lower limbs. <laughs> I was gonna say also at the bo- at the foot of the mountain next to the guy with the <laughs> ring of ideas. <laughs> I can use these boots to get up there. <laughs> That's good. Or, or he's just walking up the hill, like running away from the crazy guy with the ring of ideas. And he keeps, you know, he thinks that he knows her a slope, but he's not paying attention as to where he's going. So he just keeps going up and up and up. And then he was like, oh, how much further does mountain go? And then he looks down and then Looney Tunes and he, shoes. He, he, la- he lands, he, he crashes and breaks his legs, but he doesn't die. He's like, thank goodness this log of eternal flame is here to keep me warm. And that's where you find all three artifacts. <laughs> oh man, he dies. He died of smoke inhalation. Oh, that's funny. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, does the log of eternal flame smoke? Yeah. Well, yeah, smokes yes. and pops and cracks like a normal log. Just like a, just, it's like a normal. It's it's just like a normal log. Just forever. 
forever. Yeah. So, okay, favorite trap ideas for players. Let's come up with some. Because I, I had one that I've used before that I think is fucking brilliant. Um, I put them in dungeons. I would do a narrow hallway. Like, you get down, you open this door, and there's this narrow hallway, and all the walls are smooth. The ceiling is low, and it's all smooth, and it's a perfect rectangle all the way down this hallway. And at the very end, you see another door. And a few stones in, the whole floor is black. And so I had players go, oh, is that a different kind of stone? And they would have to roll to see, and they'd have to get closer to see. It's tar. <laughs> so I had a player just try to jump it because he thought it was like a leap of faith puzzle or oh, whatever. Oh, no. And he jumped in with a torch. Oh, no. <laughs> and and it was like, <laughs> woof. And, and um, you know, there's like gas fumes and stuff. And and so I, I love that because it was a really simple trap. I had another player another time try to like go, oh, well, we have to try to bridge it. And they, he was thinking all this stuff. And I was like, no, it's it's tar. You can get yeah. across it by like getting a rope across it. Or just and burning just, it. and Yeah, burn it, come back, back later. later. Yeah. But it was a really simple tramp. And there's no torches on the walls in there. So it kind of reflects a little bit of light, but not much. Hmm. So they know it's not just a pit. And that's what draws well, them What do they smell? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, they smell it, but it's also the bottom of a dungeon. Mm -hmm. So they're getting this rancid smell of dead animals and yeah. all these other things. And they're like, the smell is stronger here. You know what I mean? And they don't realize it's the tar pit. Yeah. Yeah. I would say uh, potion mimics. I'd Not like just yeah. like, oh, no, the the healing potion and this dead guy's poison. No, it's like you uncork it and the mimic inside just shoots out and bites you. Oh, that's a That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Just mimics in general. I mimics, mean, there's, there's just clever mimics. Yeah, yeah. Not like, oh, the whole dun the whole house is a mimic. You walk no, inside I, it, bite you. I remember a guy had a mimic that looked like really nice uh, adamantine boots, and you put your feet in them, and it <laughs> eat your toes. I so my idea was very similar to the tar one. I've actually made this before in a game, so it's basically a liquid where if you step into it, you start to sink very slowly, and if you if you're fast enough, you can walk like that non-Newtonian fluid that people yeah. like to play oh, with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very similar to that. Except if you sink in just enough, you cannot be pulled out. And it sinks so slowly, it takes about three days before your head is even close to it. Oh, that's horrible. Yes. I mean, in, in Shadowrun. And it would, be, it would be in a place where it's like the only way people can get you out is if they dig you out. Oof. Like, like it would take ex excavation crews to get in there and pull you out. It's a very powerful magical substance. That's and I would put that right before like a doorway to like the next, to like a wizard's chamber. Yeah. Where he's I, just like, because what you'll do is you walk into the room, right? And there are all these stones in various lengths away, almost like you have to jump them and hop them. And you're like, oh, okay. See, this is, but you look in, this fluid is, is like a crystalline blue and it's Ooh. very shiny and sparkly. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting. It's, it's, yeah. Inside of it are several squirrels, a couple of deer. There's even a bat down there skeletons just you can see them clearly like they've been encased in it oh. one of them has an outstretched hand with yes. the fingers curled and the thumb up <laughs> oh. yes there's a dun, 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 there's dun. a skeleton dun, an admantium skeleton yes no no it, it makes sense to have like a wizard's room like i'm tired of all these animals coming in here and so yeah. he's just in there working and he's like my trap is perfect and then he just hears Fuck, another squirrel is in there. No, even worse, <laughs> he, he hears a guy in there just screaming constantly. So it's just a guy going like, 
<laughs> yeah, just ah, ah, and you're like, shut the fuck up. He's like, he just got his hands like four days. That's all. Yeah, it's, it's four. four days. No, it. They sound like the uh, the Raiders and Mountain Blade. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> They're trying to fight their way out. Yeah, it's. A, it's a, I will drink from your skull. It's a fluid that just keeps bringing you down. I built that in the Unreal Engine. That's horrible. Yeah, no. Um, no, people thought it was horrible. They, they were like, at first they got stuck in it, and they're like, "What?" So does my character? Did I break the game? I'm like, no, it's just really slow. Because somebody like went AFK and it came back, and like their character was like only slightly down into it, and they're like, "What have you created?" I'm like, I set the speed to like point three for the sinking, and they're like, "Oh, why?" <laughs> that's horrible. But yeah. I love you for it. Yeah, I, I I think that's magnificent and terrible. Yeah. The other thing is just to subvert their expectations. Like Shadowrun has zero zones, which are the trademark of one of the mega corps where it's zero penetration, zero survival. And it's just this preposterous D and D shit where, um, like every single, uh, grain of sand in a Zen garden is an activation sensor for like the little, um, where like the retractable turrets and shit, or it's like, there's three quarters going down and one of them has a bunch of cover and shit. And the other ones all have obvious turrets, and you go down and the cover just retracts into the ground and the turrets come out and shoot you. Yeah. I and mean, but it's just like who the hell would work in a place like this? Yeah. There'd be like notices where it's like this facility has been uh, without accidental deaths for four days. Yeah, don't breathe on the sand. What? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, you shouldn't have walked down that corridor without your badge, or you shouldn't walk that corridor down at all. Yeah. I I think an even an even worse idea is especially with players who've been playing for a long time. Make a room that's that you make it sound like it's obviously trapped. There's no traps. Their objective is right there. They can just walk up and take it. Yeah, or just have overthink to take a page out of Oglaf. Just have they just go to a room and it just has overthinking written on the wall. Yeah, just something like that where they just walk into the room and it's like, and there are these special stones, one with an eagle, one with, with a bat. <laughs> and they and do it, nothing. They do absolutely nothing. nothing. Well, no, they click. Oh, no, that's even worse. Yeah, you step on like okay did that do anything it's like you don't feel anything smell anything or hear anything but no. you heard the cl well you heard the click that's about it even worse even yeah. worse they make a clink and it moves a counterweight in the wall and yeah that's it. so <laughs> they hear <laughs> yeah and they're like oh no yeah <laughs> yeah you just do that but it means like they could have just walked up and taken it it doesn't actually do anything I because yeah. in all honesty playing on people's anxiety is also a great trap oh yeah oh yeah because most people are expecting poison and spears and goop and all this and stuff it's like stuff. yeah I, no. if you play on anxiety people get mad and that's the, honestly that's the best part when they go wait i could have just walked up and taken it yeah pretty much yes yeah no <laughs> no the now the last the last thing i want to talk about before we get to our voice questions um okay. the last thing i want to talk about is homebrew disasters because homebrewing in the wrong hands is is terrible and i have to share my worst one and i i will encourage you guys to go read it um i wrote a story on tg a long time ago called fur heresy and that was me that was me and my friends and yeah that was horrible and the problem is that i find the biggest pitfall if you're homebrewing something to have fun with your friends Saying this is a fun game is great and all, but my rule of thumb is if you are unwilling to show this to the world, if you are unwilling to have other people read and play in this, you are creating fetish material 
And you need to not do that because while that may be fun for a little bit, it's going to make people uncomfortable and please don't do it at the local game store. That's no. fucked up. They're but, trying to sell games. Com- come on now. Yeah. <laughs> so, so the thing is, is that in homebrewing, like homebrew disasters where someone comes up with a custom class, nine times out of 10, it's broken because the person coming up with his class says, I want to play this class. And it's not the idea of, I want to create something. It'd be cool if this was out in the world, or it's not addressing a shortcoming. I want to be able to do this thing and that thing. Right. It's, it's not the, it's not because there is the noble homebrew, which is where saying, I wish I could play as a trader class in D and D someone who's built around mercantile pursuits and has skills to where they can sway people and trade, but also buy and purchase and do all these. Oh, that's interesting. Let's figure out how to do a non-combat class and put that out there and see if people use it maybe for high level NPCs or what have you. That's an interesting idea. But when someone says, as goat said, I want to be able to cut everyone in half in one turn with a katana at level one and then at level two fight the moon and win. You know, that's that's where you run into this this homebrew. I want to be able yeah. to fight people with katana and have all the wizard spells and have all the cleric spells. That's that's usually the homebrew pitfall. Yeah. Like if you're playing something you can share with the world and it would bring joy to people because it's fun to make. That's the right way to homebrew. And if that's in your heart, you can't fuck up. But if if you're doing it and you're like, I don't want people to know I did this, just keep it in your journal. Yeah. Don't. Keep it keep it between you and your group. Yeah, don't don't send that out there. I I honestly have no all of my I'm still new to playing games and DMing and stuff, so I have no bad experiences so far. So, anyways, let's go to our voice questions. <laughs> awesome. Um, and here, here's the thing, guys. That's right. You can leave voice messages now on Anchor FM slash Black Pants Legion. Google Black Pants Legion on Anchor FM if you can't get that to work. And leave a voice message. If you sent mail to me recently, I redirected you to Anchor FM because this shit is cool. It's like you're calling into a radio show. Right. So let's prove it's cool. Mike. Delusions of adequacy. Delusions of adequacy. All right. Let's see if this works. Two things. What are some other podcasts you guys like? Personally, I like No Agenda. And when are we going to get more Dungeon Crawl? And that was from A. A. Just Holy A. Holy shit, that was, that was cool. Yeah, that was cool. It's like he's here. Um, okay, A. Um, I listen to a few like true crime podcasts and stuff like that. Um, I, I listen to a few historical ones here and there, but nothing commonly. Uh, most of the time I'm listening to stuff, it's music. Um, but I, as far as more dungeon crawl stuff, we are going to put star track on the podcast once we got them all. And that, that might be done by Christmas. Uh, so yeah, that, that'll be out there. Um, any podcast you guys listen to? Not really. I mean, well, it's for, if I'm like, you know, something where I can have my, uh, where my attention is not occupied. It's like music or YouTube or something. That's fair. Uh, I literally edit this one. Yeah, you're like, I, and I don't even. I'm podcasted out. No, yeah. I yeah. It's like, who the hell makes a podcast? Like, you have to like run out of ideas, and you just want to yeah, be well, able to yeah, talk so with your buddies and shit. We yeah. we make podcasts, and then I have to edit them. So my listening of other podcasts has dramatically fallen. I watch YouTube videos, which while I'm editing, 
like Seth Gorkowski, listening to his games is cool. Yeah, uh, it is. Seth He's Gorkowski, so cool. Gorkowski, you're so cool. Yeah. You're so cool. <laughs> um, come on, guys. He's going to think we're desperate. Um, so the other one I, I also like to listen to is uh, not a podcast, but I like to listen to LGR because Clint has a really nice voice. He's when he's working soothing. When he's yeah. working on computers and stuff, I, I really enjoy that. That's just, that's it. I don't really listen to a lot of podcasts, Steve, though. Steve 1989 MRA, yep. I guess, is about as close as it gets for me. Yeah. yeah is that something where it's just like, oh, this is nice to have running yeah. in the background? Yeah. Or, or even Bob Ross. Bob, Bob Ross is great yeah. to have when you're, you need a nice chill. Wholesome. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, <laughs> are, we, are we simping for Seth Skorkowski now? Oh. <laughs> Next. No, we so, haven't. We're not, we're not spending money on them. All right, here we go. This is from Alex A. Hello, Tex and the Black Pants Legion. Oh, so cool. I've been watching your YouTube channel and listening to the podcast, and science fiction and space stuff seems to be a staple. Do you guys like space stuff just as part of your stories and settings, or do you also like real-life space stuff? Keep doing what you love. Thanks. All right. That, that's that's so cool. Um, Yeah, uh, I like... I like Fictional space stuff. I love big, scary universes I've talked about. I, I love various space settings, but I also like real space stuff. Oh, yeah. Because, like, you, you'll read these papers that these, you know, astrophysicists will come up with. And they're like, we have no idea why light turned a 90 degree angle here. And we're like. It's interesting. Yeah. We're like, oh, shit. What could that be? Or Tabby Star or any of that other stuff. Tabby Star. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. I, work, I work with one of the research or not work. I t- I, one of my friends is one of the researchers who worked on that. Yeah. And, and that's awesome. Stuff yeah. that makes you. Oh, ah, wonder. Oh, uh, yeah. Like no, I, I, I always find joy in space. I think uh, Star Trek kind of uh, really ignited my interest in it. I'd always had like a kind of side interest in it as a kid. But then when I watched Star Trek, it kind of blew me up in that. So, I, yeah, I, I enjoy uh, pretty much everything. I mean, I'm, I'm a pretty big uh, follower of fizz.org. Um, I can't understand a lot of the math, but I do enjoy reading it. So that's, Yeah, and I, I get really excited yeah. in space stuff. I mean, I, I really, really do. Yeah. Like I, I watch all the SpaceX rocket launches and I, I love when they come down. I can't down. keep up with all those. No, I, I love yeah. when they come down and just kick their feet out. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, I can't do that in Kerbal. <laughs> but that's a good problem to have when you can't keep up with all the launches going on. Yeah. That's a great problem to have, honestly. Yeah. All right. Uh, what about you, Goat? I don't really follow it that much. I mean, I think it's great that we're venturing into space and learning about it, but... I don't have a whole lot of personal interest or curiosity into scientific mysteries like that. All right. I mean, my interest in science fiction is more because it's it's not about, you know, oh, why does light bend 90 degrees or but it's about people. You know, it's about how do people, you know, how do we deal with stories where people have, you know, like say they're confronted with aliens or people dealing with hyper advanced technology. You know, like Arthur C. Clarke type stuff. Hmm. All right. Yeah, that's that's well said. Yeah. All right. It's about next. the imagination. The next one is from Brian E. Hi, Tex. This is Brian uh, Grognard to be. I'm leaving you a voice message to ask about your voice. You get complimented a lot about it on YouTube and things. And I was wondering if you ever got any weirder comments about it. And also if you get complimented on it outside of YouTube. Thanks. All right, um, Brian, <laughs> I, I'm very self-conscious about my voice because it's fairly damaged, but I have gotten weird comments mm-hmm. and I've gotten... Even lo- during stream on the courtesy flush, it happens. Yeah, and I've also gotten lewd comments um, from both sexes. 
And that's always weird. Um, I guess it is what it is, but it's, yeah. it, it never really compliments. A lot of people are like, what happened? You know? Yeah. Oh, he's faking his voice. Yeah. That, people think that yeah. you're a Zoomer faking your voice. It's, that's like Markiplier. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's, we're going to cut the podcast. Be like, oh, oh, thank God, guys. I'm glad I'm finally done. That voice is so hard to do. <laughs> oh, no, God. and it's just, it's, yeah. it's, it's like. I mean, you guys live with me. Is this? Yeah, a, no, I mean, and even before if that. If this it was is a like, con, it is the longest con in the world. It's like, yeah. holy shit, man. No, Tex I, has to speak up when he does the podcast. Well, That's the only thing. He has to speak up. He actually talks way lower than yeah. this um, because he's, his voice is damaged. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, and I remember yeah. like a couple times where I, I was like talking to you while I had something running where you're like talking on a video. It's like, holy shit. It's the exact same speech pattern. This is just how he talks. Yeah. And I mean, that's why you have a bass drum mic. Yeah. This, this is done a lot better. I mean, I don't have to speak up as much, but I do have to speak up for the podcast. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, next. Next one is from Casey. My name is Casey and I'm a police officer in the Ohio region. Let's just leave it at that. And, uh, I do a lot of secret squirrel work, intelligence work, that kind of things. And uh, with everything that's been going on lately, I've become physically ill from the stress. And it, it, is, it has been a really hard time for me lately. So I was feeling really down. And then you guys dropped a podcast, the best podcast that there is, the best BPL podcast, the only Damn right. BPL podcast. And it really perked me up. It made me feel so much better, and I really appreciate it. And you helped me get through a couple more weeks just by doing that. By the way, I recently uh, told somebody I identify as an urban mech, so they still are processing what that means, but <laughs> take that what you will. But anyway, thanks, and I cannot wait until the next podcast. Thank you. All right. Hope, hope you get better and things get easier, Casey, and thank you for your service. Yes, we can actually say that. Because you're still doing it probably right now. Yeah, you Like most cops I know are overworked and underpaid. I'm from Ohio. I, I can tell you that's not an easy job. It, yeah. That's not that's not a state that's uh, easy for police officers. So, I, I yeah. Thank the you for your service, man. The question is, though, what are the pronouns you use if somebody identifies as an urban mech? Uh, shorty. AC10. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The next one is from Chiba. Hey, Texan friends. I have a question for you. Specifically, Tex, what do you think about the Marauder? Any opinions and ideas about it? Also, I want to say thank you. You've gotten me and my dad back and do Battletech. It's been a while, and I wanted to say we love your stuff. Me and my dad listen to it a lot. And I wish y'all a happy end of the year. Oh, that's very cute. That's wholesome. And I'm I'm glad you and your dad have something in common. Um... You know, my my dad and I have something in common. It's called the last name. Um, but <laughs> the the thing is, is that if if you no, we both also like machine guns, but um, <laughs> and explosives. Yeah. Now, if yeah. he's listening, he heard that he'd probably chuckled. He'd, he'd probably laugh. Yeah. Um, but no, the uh, the Marauder. Okay. Um, We're doing an episode next. Yeah, on that's it. I I want to save what I have to say then and there. But there's a reason why it's a classic, and there's a reason why it's fucking awesome. Yeah. Would that probably have come out by the time this comes out? No. Oh. No, no, not by then. Because no. this will come out in like January. Yeah. Anticipation. Anticipation. All right. The next one is from Ku Crow, who I have seen on uh, Courtesy Flush. Nice. Hello, Black Pants Legion. 
Two questions. First one for Tex. Who is your favorite Primarch, or what is your favorite Space Marine chapter or Legion, and why? And the second question is, in the f first century AD, in Roman Egypt, there was described a uh, bladeless steam turbine known as an alipile. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think could have happened if the Romans had decided to capitalize on this marvel in the first century, 1800 years before the Industrial Revolution, and what would you think of Roman-era steampunk? Thank you for listening, and have a good day. All right. Favorite Primarch, Ferris Manus. He's I, the most boring Primarch. Yeah, but his guys are cool, so that means he was a good dad. Hmm. Oh, they're fucking boring. Yeah, they mechanicus, and they just misinterpret everything he said. Okay, that's the only thing that's interesting is that they misinterpreted everything he said and I, just went full, you know, I, I, flesh I, is weak. Yeah, that's why I like him. A mechanicus guy. That's no, if you're a mechanicus, uh, I should here's, like here's you should a, like Perturabo. Then here's an opinion. Your opinion is wrong. Yes. <laughs> We're grognards. This is what we do. Oh, My no. favorite Primark is Ed from Good Burger. He's okay. the best oh, one. Right. Okay. Because well, hey, you're a dude. I'm a dude. Well, someone, He's a someone, dude. Someone asked me yes. on um in my emails. They they got really mad. Uh, they said, "Hey, Tex, who's your, is 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 uh Robo Girly Man the best old you know the best Primark or the best Space Marine?" He's, a, and, he's and, kind of interesting. And I said, "He's not even the best Ultramarine." Uh, look, and, I'll I'll, yeah. say, I'll say it like this: as an auditor, if I was the my auditor that I keep thinking of for forty yeah. k. If you bring up your primer, like yeah, he does his taxes. <laughs> nice. That's what I would say. They're like, well, who's your favorite? Well, the ones who pay their taxes, basically. So, so, so Gilliman. Not, yeah. So not Lehman Ross. <laughs> No, they are currently being audited, and they are probably going to get fucked. <laughs> it's funny because that's that's actually not far from the truth. I know, I know. So, so next, th these are wait, there were, there wait, was oh yeah, sorry, the, the other question, the oh, steam God. power, wa steam? holy okay, water so dispenser. The no, it's yeah. it's the alio pile. The alio and, pile. And it, it's it's basically it's it's a bladeless turbine, quote quote, um, but not really. It's it's you you take a brass sphere and you have these two armatures that come up, and water that is boiled in a basin will rise up these armatures and spin a little wheel now from that to go to working machine is a big stretch because in the first and second century there were a lot of steam powered things like whistles and toys and everything else yeah but, but it doesn't mean shit until you can use it to push a piston right so one of the things that really makes the industrial revolution possible like for in why it industry was, yeah well it's not only that in england the reason why it was possible because you have water mills and everything else way before that is England had a lot of coal mm -hmm. and they needed a means by which to pump water out of coal wells and all these deep pits. So the steam engine burning coal at the site of that is where it became possible. So they realized, wait, well, it can pump all this water. What else can it do? Yeah. So the first big industrial uses of these steam engines is burning coal at the site where coal is mined to make more coal available. I'm not sure in the Mediterranean where you have really good coal deposits. Yeah. So I'm not sure where that would have been useful for mass industry. And just the machine itself, they didn't have a whole lot of practical applications for that, it. That and they didn't know how to make mass 
production of iron, which means you really can't make big watertight boilers, which then means you can't boil stuff and right. mass to move machines. So it would have been a lot of work. I, I was going to say, um, he asked, but he wants to know, like, what would a steampunk Roman Empire look like? Just would, as oh, a they, thought exercise. They, they, beyond. They, well, okay, let's say all of these things happened. Yeah. All of these people, and they, they figured it out. You would have had a, a de facto Roman state stretching over a much wider area because you would have harnessed mm-hmm. steam engines to yeah, propel just, machines. It, it's it, what they do. They're very practical. Right. So they, it w- you would have had mass communication a lot earlier, even if they were just pony expressing it on steam engines. You would have had power and turbines, probably electricity, and all of these other things follow very rapidly because once you develop this, people will look for means by which to use it. You would have a, you know, a cosmopolitan empire 1800 years before one appeared. And they'd still fuck up and disintegrate like they did. Sure. Of course they would. <laughs> They're an imperial state. Um, you know, no, that's that's what makes it really interesting is because there's a lot of points in history where humanity was on the cusp of some great discoveries and, and a lot of things that make us what we do today possible. But then the extenuating circumstances of location and the Crusades uh, and yeah. a couple of other events in history <laughs> caused a lot of that to kind of fall behind. So, yeah, and it's it's interesting. Yeah, I, I like that idea. All right. Well, we have time for one more. Hey, Legionnaires. I'm David. This Hi, is David. a movie trailer that I thought of after listening to your Knife Fight City episode. Knife Fight City. In a world where all of the sewage is totally backed up, from the flooded slums, a hero will rise to unclog our toilets and unclog our hearts. One city, one man, one giant plunger. Coming this fall. Antonio Banderas is <laughs> the plumber. <laughs> for language violence, nudity, and extreme repulsiveness. I like it. Yeah, that was from David F. All right, David F. It, that, that's funny. I could see Antonio Banderas. He's like, you don't understand. I'm not just a plumber. I'm a lover. I am plumber man. <laughs> no, it, 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 there's like a romance subplot. Of course you know. there is. Yeah. He saves her from having to, uh, from getting swirled into the the big toilet. Yeah. Because all the toilets are bigger and more powerful because everything's backed up. Yeah. I I just imagine the movie Volcano, but with just poop. Oh, wow. (laughs) Though I'm just. This is what happens when you replace most of your diet with corn. (laughs) Yeah. Or I I just think they just shoot it on location in like uh, a slum somewhere in Rio or India or something. Because I fucking stepped. I didn't live in a slum, but I stepped over a river of shit every day on the way to school. Both ways, uphill. No. I'm just fucking with you. But no, um, wow, another podcast down. So anyways, folks out there, remember you actually can vote a podcast and downvote it. It's on Apple, and everyone's given us five stars. So that's uh, So obviously somebody here is going to do it just to break the pattern. Probably. Diggs. Pretty, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Diggs, you get, you've already done one star, but still say, yeah, it's pretty good, though. Yeah, Diggs, Diggs will rate it half a star and say, put that Diggs guy back on it, and it will be signed <laughs> Diggs. <laughs> Oh, God. All right. Everyone out there, stay safe. 2020 has ended.
You, know, you say that like that means everything's going to be good now. No, it's not. But they don't need. Oh, shit. All right. Kill it. Kill it. 